Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and joining us today is Miss Veronica Torres-Hazley, the founder of MyChica.org, a collective network of Latinas who cultivate an ecosystem of success through mentorship, leadership, and accountability in North Texas. Veronica, how you doing, buddy? Hi, Chris. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. Oh, of course. And I call you buddy because you're my friend from way back when. We've been knowing each other a long, long time. And I want to say right off the bat, since this is, March is Women's History Month, it was so great running into you at the Women's Symposium for the Dallas Mavericks last week. It was absolutely awesome. I mean, you were great. Thank you so much. It's always great when you see friends on the stage talking about women and celebrating women. And you too with your daughters and stuff. I mean, it was awesome to see all the girl dads kind of show up for the girls. It was just a, a lot of great energy in the room. Yeah, special shout out to Troy Aikman, a girl dad from the NFL, talking about his daughters as well. But back to you. Let's talk about some of the things you mentioned in the Women's Symposium. You're talking about Women's History Month and what it means for a lot of different women, but especially Latina women. Yes. Um, it's super important that we have an inclusive environment similar to symposiums like that. I love that I was invited and to represent a large population of Latinas in Dallas and in North Texas and Fort Worth. And, and you mm-hmm. know, North Texas is so big. There's so many women out there, so many Latinas that are interested in finding their tribe of women that celebrate them, um, that help support them and that are compassionate um, and kind of just meeting people where they're at. That's kind of what Hey Chica is about. And you know what? Before we get into Hey Chica, I think it's important to let people know a little bit more about you. Uh, You've talked about your journey before on this show, but just to refresh everyone, you have worked your way through the corporate world, through the 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 sports commission world, the uh, the Dallas. uh, All I can say is you've you've navigated uh, quite a story. And let's start at the beginning because you were talking about you, you. It wasn't like you came from, you know, this successful family and, you know, you went off to Harvard and then you landed in corporate America. No, you came from, you know, just like a lot of people, you came from a lower middle class or middle class family. It's sometimes even scraping worse than that. Absolutely. It's so funny you say that because I li- literally just finished writing my hate, the hate Chica movement book. All and right. Going back, I, going back, I had to go back and really experience my past trauma of how I grew up grew up in poverty Mm -hmm. and it's just been coming to, you know, and I'm talking about it a lot more because 
I think that people need to see themselves if that's their story. And for me to talk about, like, you're right. Everyone thinks just kind of show up success overnight, right? Right. Happen overnight like that. And for me, I definitely come from um, below poverty. Um, I was a teen mom. I had my first daughter when I was 15 years old. So I, I definitely have had a struggle on my path and my journey to where I am at now. And, uh, you know, just kind of felt, felt that it was important for people to know that there's a lot of people who don't come, like you mentioned, from money, don't come from success. And a lot of us do come from um, poverty or even below poverty like myself. But it's so important to talk about that so we can bring the humanity back mm-hmm. to who we are as people and show a lot more compassion, empathy and identify with with people that are, you know, have similar backgrounds and that can celebrate the successes and the blessings that we have right now. You know, what's so amazing about what you said is it's about the transparency, but it's also about relating, being a relatable. There are so many girls, so many young women who find themselves in similar circumstances that you started out with. And they're like, Oh, I can't do anything because of, or they want to do something, but they don't know if they have the courage or the, um, the uh, the drive to do it. They might have the drive, but they don't know where to begin. And to hear stories like yours, it lets them know that I can do this too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that women need to know that they're not alone, right? right. Everybody just wants to be seen. And I spoke about that at the symposium. Women, just anyone, just wants to be seen and wants to be heard. And um, when we have that conversation about authenticity and who we are, excuse me, it gives them permission to, to talk about who they are. Right. Mm -hmm. And also for me, it was hard, like having a kid at that age, getting kicked out of my house because my parents didn't, you know, didn't agree with that. Having to, to work in high school. Um, and you know, for me, I was on welfare. I was getting food. I was like in the system, going to high school, applying for support for myself and making it through and, and then making it to college is Mm -hmm. just another, success because at that age, you know, I have a, a, two, a two-year-old baby and I'm going to college now and paying my own way and waiting tables and working at the mall, like having three to four jobs just to support my dream, but also support a baby and myself, you know, and growing through that. It's a really special story because I feel that it it allows me to show my human side, right? And to mm-hmm. show that I am, I've have struggled and that I appreciate and understand the gratitude behind the blessings that come when you work really hard for something. And Let, um, let's talk it, about yeah, that dream right quick. I don't want to skip over because you were driven by your dream. What did you major in in college and did it change at all? Because sometimes, you know, I always like to say success is not a destination. It is a journey. And what you go through makes you appreciate where you are at that point in time. Can you talk about the dream and what you actually majored in in college and what your college situation was like a little bit more detail? Cause a lot of people are going through the same things right now. Absolutely. And it, you know, it's, it's crazy too, because the minute that I had my baby in high school, I knew I had to have a plan. Like I had yes. to have something that was in order. So I right out of high school, I knew I wanted to um, own a restaurant because I worked in a restaurant during high school so I went to, I, I had a teacher who believed in me and helped me apply to the number two college in the country for hospitality and tourism. And I decided to pursue that degree because I came from entrepreneur grandparents and I knew I wanted to own a restaurant. So my degree, my, I went to a university that was 
kind of similar to SMU, right? But for culinary and hospitality mm-hmm. in South Carolina, I even left Texas, which is unheard of when you come from, you know, small yeah. family, the first to graduate it's high school, scary. first to go to college. It's very scary. And so I went and took us, you know, I took a, I bet it on myself and I applied for, you know, for fun, for grants and whatever mm-hmm. loans to go to school. And I pursued a degree in hotel and restaurant management. And it was very, very strategic. And then right after that, I got recruited at, you know, at a hotel company in Dallas and, you know, worked for that hotel company for nine years and then went to visit Dallas. And I stayed in tourism. I stayed in hospitality and, you know, destination marketing. And that was my my path that I took just from deciding to bet on myself and go to college and getting a degree in tourism and hospitality. For those who don't know, tell them what Visit Dallas is, because that's a that's an an incredible world in itself, because you're dealing with corporations and tourism from people all over the world. Yeah. So every, a lot of people weren't aware of it. I think this is where you and I met Chris when we yes. were bringing the Super Bowl and um, the, um, fi- the basketball all-star game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was like 2010, so, 2011, those years. Yeah, absolutely. So visit Dallas is a, is actually a, a, the sales and marketing tourism arm for the city of Dallas. So every city has a visitors bureau, a convention and visitors bureau. They call themselves visit Dallas, visit Fort Worth. You know, that's kind of the name visit Houston. You can go to visit LA. Any Mm -hmm. major city has a sales and marketing arm. That sole job is to bring conventions and tourism and events to their city. So it's a huge, um, it's a huge bandwidth. I guess it's a huge market when you think about it, because when you're selling a city like Dallas, you're selling the the parks, you're selling sure. the experience, you're selling the hotels and the the museums and stuff like that. And to major that, corporations all over the world so that they can have their conventions here or people who want to visit here. You're, you're selling the city to the world. Right. And that brings economic impact to the people who live here. Right. Mm-hmm. Because someone's spending money in the restaurants and they're going shopping. So we get um, the opportunity to, to build Dallas as a destination that everyone can experience and visit and stay in the hotels and enjoy themselves. So it's fun, right? So I did that for 17 years. Well, tell everybody uh, what you did because it's like they hired you and talk about some of the things you got to do. Yeah. So they hired me. Um, I came to a meeting in their office and they, my CEO you know, asked me to interview for a diversity and inclusion role. This is before diversity and inclusion was anything like it is now, right? Right. People didn't know about thinking. DEI. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, I interviewed and I, I said, okay. And I interviewed that day and I, on my way home, he, he called me and offered me the job and there was no one in this role. It was a new role. Nobody knew what to do with it. So I, the next the next week, I walked into an office and a computer, and they're like, okay, take over and bring more diverse business to the city. So, and I did that. Um, I did that in several different departments. I've moved up. I was doing um, branding and marketing. I moved into our tourism department. We worked with our sports commission to bring sporting events. So, I really got to experience every, almost every department in that organization and, and contribute to big business in Dallas. How much pressure was was it on you to represent? Because I know you're like an ambassador for the city of Dallas. And in other words, you had to be the person to represent. And I know everyone can't do that. Could you talk about 
what was going on in your mind as you were living this life because you did a great job with it. Fantastic job. Thank you. Um, I had to go and make friends in the community, right? I had to go to the Black Chamber, the Asian Chamber, the LGBT Chamber in Dallas, and I had to go make friends with them because they were going to be my experts to tell me, you know, what convention or what event, you know, if it's the Black Rodeo or if it's Mm -hmm. the Hispanic, you know, LULAC or whatever, all of these organizations, I had to go find out who they were. And then I had to go and make friends with them and ask them to bring their convention to Dallas. So in that, I literally would go to like 10 to 15 networking events a week. And my network grew and grew and grew. And I just became the face of Visit Dallas. A lot of people didn't even know that it existed. And I just kind of went out there and I was really campaigning for people to champion, you know, our city. Let me give you credit right here. Let, Let me just stop and give you credit right here. Because you're zipping through this, and it is so amazing what you're saying, and it's like sinking in on so many levels. Veronica, you were an influencer before social media, TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram made being an influencer an influential influential idea or position. You were doing these things and networking. Right. (laughs) You know what? You're right. When you said that word, I'm like, I was an influencer before people knew what that really was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it was it's, amazing. It yeah, was amazing. it paid off for you because you're so good at it. Yeah, and I love it. And I'm really authentic with it. I make authentic mm-hmm. relationships with people that become family like you, Chris. When I see you, sure. I know your family. I know your wife. Mm-hmm. You know, we know our mutual friends. And, yeah. and it's amazing when you can go and walk, you know, the aisle and and, and blend in different communities and, feel, and they accept you. And it's amazing. But it, it's really because... My heart, it was in it. My heart is in it. I still am ambassador for Dallas. I still do my Hey Chica is the way it is because people know me from my reputation yeah. and the integrity of that. You know, people want to help support me and what I'm doing. So I feel very, very blessed for that. You are. And again, we're talking with Veronica Torres Hazley, and she is, she is an outstanding ambassador for the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But more importantly, you are so sincere what you do. And, and as we, we've said this a number of times, when you love what you do, it's not a job. That's what a career is. You could do this because it's not really work. You're, you're enjoying what you're doing. And you were able to work yourself into the position of having this. And I think, you know, when you were working at Visit Dallas, is that when you realize, look at what I'm doing here and all these different worlds and opportunities I'm involved in. It, when did it hit you? You know, I think it, it, it hit when I first saw my my very first event, like when Super Bowl, when something like that comes to the city. Mm-hmm. And even like World Cup, we were working on World Cup for 12 years. Right, and now trying like, to get oh, World it. World Cup is coming, you know, and I'm like, we've been working on that. <laughs> so whenever we, when, when Dallas was, they said they announced Dallas as a host, I was just like, oh my God. It, it happened that work we did. I was very proud of that yeah. to see that because even the, you know, it's like you're planting seeds and then you see the fruits of labor and it's, and then I can share that with my kids and my, you know, I can just celebrate that. And my husband, I'm like, wow, remember when we were trying to bring this and now it's here um, and you can see it with your own eyes. And that's what makes it real. Can you talk about the evolution of how you would first go to some of these meetings and maybe you were the only woman there or the only Latina woman there. And now it's kind of grown. I know it's not all the way there yet, but can you talk about what you've seen over the last oh, 10 or 12 years 
in 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 the culture of DEI and especially because it's Women's History Month and people need to be inspired. Yes. Um, and it was for a long time. I was the only one yeah. in the room. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I remember a point where I was sitting on like 12 boards and I was actually not only the only Latina, the only woman, the only and I was the only one under 40. <laughs> you know, it was um, I had a lot of onlys that mm-hmm. are attached to me. Um, but now I I am pulling up women. That's why Hey Chicas was started. And I founded right. that because. I wanted a place where one, where everyone looks like you. We speak the same language. We're learning. We're building. It's fun. It's not boring. Um, and it's pouring in. Um, and I talk about this all the time. It's the no mean girl movement. You know, we're not being mean to ourselves. That's advocacy. We're not being mean to our um, community. It's advocacy. Our self is self-care and, and to our future, which is leadership. And I think it's very important as women, when you see the evolution of yourself, you see that because you see the seeds that you've kind of sown. So for me, when I see five women on my board, um, I'm looking for more women to help with that. Like Mm -hmm. even um, I remember I interviewed for jobs and um, I I had friends that I knew that would be a good opportunity for a good applicant. And I would tell the person who was interviewing me like, hey, if you don't hire me, I have three other people i'm going to send you resumes that i think you should take a look at that's unheard of right when and, yeah. the, and the person was like blown away by that they're so right? com- people and are so competitive they would never think that right because i i really operate from like what is mine is mine and what's yours is yours and nothing can move that like when you operate as a woman and you're saying i'm not i'm not operating like scarcity or a fear of you're going to have mine or take mine I'm operating from a place of abundance mm-hmm. that if God says that's your job and not mine, then then let it be what it is. Right. So my mindset is one of abundance and wealth and collaboration and not competition. Yeah. And you know what? That mindset is actually a bigger picture mindset. Some people aren't they don't look at things in the bigger picture. You're basically saying also, well, down the road we may still be friends or we can be friends and I may be able to help you or you may be able to help me in another way. It's not like we're, we're, we're going to hurt each other. We're not competing against each other. We're going to work together eventually in some, cause we're in the same uh, capacity, some kind of way. We may not have the exact same job, but we, we are, we got some things in common here. I like the way you think. Yeah. It's important for us to shift from that mentality where everything's competition, right? We can collaborate together. We can build together. That's how you can grow it. Build together. Absolutely. That's wealth to me, right? It's Mm -hmm. building together. And, and, you know, and unfortunately we can't build with everybody, but I I really do believe that, you know, that the universe moves in ways, you know, you know, I have a yoga studio. I teach this too. I have a yoga studio. My husband and I have gyms. They were opening up this year. So we really focus on teaching that in workshops where people start to feel good about who they are. And how they feel. And then that in turn paves the way for success, right? For them mm-hmm. to create and to build business and to to build community. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to segue into the healthy part of your life because I think, and I'm trying to live this my own self, it seems like if you have a physical health, that helps your mental health. You're able to be more productive in all the things you do. Can you talk about how 
I mean, first of all, you're in tip-top shape, and you, you look like you're still 21 years old. I have to give you that. <laughs> you are just <laughs> in tip-top you. shape, and I know it helps you have the energy to do the different things that you want to do. Can you talk about how these things go hand-in-hand? Hand? Because I really believe in all of the things you're working on. I believe in it. I, I promise you that. And we don't even talk, but every three or four months, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know you know what, Steve? I, I mean, Steve, Chris, I really— I really have found myself when I am successful, when I'm closing deals, when I'm making big business moves, it's when I'm feeling good about myself and how I look and feel. Mm -hmm. Right. And we all know this, Chris, like we know when we put on those extra pounds, we feel heavy. We don't feel comfortable. We're not confident. We don't, you know, we don't feel light. And I, I did that. I was one of those people during COVID put on 20 pounds or something. Like a lot of people, right? Because mm-hmm. we were, you know, my husband and I were having margaritas every day and stuff like that. You were working um, from home. You weren't getting out and about like you used to. Right. And so people I can just, relate. I, right. And my daughter sells Girl Scout cookies and I was eating a whole bunch of Girl Scout cookies <laughs> and that was not good for me. Um, but I felt real heavy. I didn't like myself. I wasn't comfortable walking around and in clothes that I normally would. And so I just woke up and I'm like, you know what? I cannot feel like this. I cannot take my health for granted. There were people who lost, you know, loved ones during COVID and just like everyone else. And I just made a, you know, made a commitment to myself and I work out probably five, six days a week and I try to stay consistent. Um, and I feel good. And when I feel good, I, you know, I can go into a boardroom and close a deal. Mm -hmm. I can, I feel confident. It's, it's, definitely how we feel is what success leads to you know we've got to feel good you've got to feel good yeah again the mental wellness the physical wellness it all leads to a happier life and greater productivity we're talking to veronica torres hazley and she is a go-getter and i'm that's why i'm so pleased i've been knowing you all these years and so glad to have you on the show you we've been talking about the hey chica movement and you've written a book why did you call it hey chica and tell that story yeah, so I'm a big Jay-Z fan, and, <laughs> uh, and Jay-Z had some lyrics that said, hey, you know, let me put you in the game, and I don't know if you remember that, so I can't remember the name of the song, he said, hey, let me put you in the game, Hove. and I thought, wow, you know, I'm like, hey, Chica, like, hey, my sister, right, mm-hmm. Chica is just girl in Spanish, so uh, uh, anyone who's a female can be a Chica, but I was speaking through my lens, so I used the Spanish version, and I thought, hey, girl, let me put you in the game. And that's the whole mission, right? Let right. me put you in. Let me put you in. Let me pull so you along with us. Says, yes. Yeah. Let me bring but you now, along, bring you to the table. Absolutely. But now everywhere I go, people just say, hey, Chica, because it's catchy, it's edgy. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's not it's unforgettable, right? When you say, hey, Chica, hey, Chica. And so it just becomes natural now for people to say it, but it really means, Hey, I'm going to put you on. Can you talk about some of the things that you guys have done as an organization? Because I really like the fact that you've been reaching out to a lot of college kids and high school kids as well. Yeah. So our mission was just for, you know, Latina professionals that were probably right out of college and, you know, anyone under 40. Mm -hmm. And then, um, we started talking to teachers that were Latina teachers and that, that, didn't have a tribe of women to hang out with. And then they wanted it for their students. So we got invited by Carrollton Farmers Branch to come to their high schools there who desperately need it because these young girls during COVID, you know, they lose self-esteem. They Mm -hmm. lost family members. Like Mm -hmm. it was very important for them to get poured into. And then someone 
another teacher told another teacher in junior high. And so it just starts to kind of take a life of its own. And so we did last year, we did a huge symposium for junior high girls and we had over 300 young girls come to talk about self-love, self-care and, and how they can take a hold of starting to lead at that age. So it's really special when you see that and you see a young girl and she gets so excited, goes home and tells her mom that she went to this event. The mom starts following me on Instagram, messaging me. I get so many beautiful messages from moms that say their daughters said that they needed this. And so the moms become a part of it. So it's very generational. It's a pipeline of, of, you know, how we build each other up and it's, it takes care of the whole family and the whole person. And it's really beautiful to watch. Like you said, it's an ecosystem of success through mentorship, leadership, and accountability. Veronica, I had you say all of this. Now I'm going to ask you if you could succinctly again say it in Spanish for our Spanish-speaking listeners. So, hey, chica, es una grupo de, de mujeres que nosotros um, hacemos juntas para mujeres que quieren saber más de amor, de... Uh, Metas de um, líderes, todo lo que es de celebrar la mujer. Thank you, Chris. Nice. Yeah, again, we want to make sure everybody's all inclusive because someone might have ca- caught it. And then again, wait a minute, now I can feel you because you said it in our language. So I wanted to make sure you covered all those bases as well. And like I said, this is Women's History Month. What is one of the most histor- historical things, you know, that you remember that a woman has left an impression on your mind. I don't, I, it could be anything. I don't know if it's a historical figure from back in the day or if it's somebody that's doing something now that you really admire, that you are compassionate about or passionate about what they're all about. I think there's a, a lot of women who have made an impact in my life like that. And I'll start with my grandmother who is, you know, took care of all of us, my grand, all of our grandkids mm-hmm. and taught me how to Family cook first. and taught me how to, yes. And my grandmother taught me how to be a woman, how to care for my family, how to cook, how to sew, how to clean everything, even how to, um, to do payroll on her kitchen table. Right. So my grandmother is definitely the first influential woman like that. And then along the way, I've had a lot of, a lot of amazing women in Dallas, mm-hmm. um, that have poured into me you know, and really cared about me. And I'll use, um, I, I, so many come to mind, but I mean, and then I think of our famous people that I follow Michelle Obama. I just heard her podcast and read her book. Like I try to read four to five books a month, um, because I'm always seeking to, to learn more, to be better and and to absolutely. And to share that with my young girls, right. I have two, a six and eight year old at home and they inspire me. Mm -hmm. They motivate me. They teach me compassion and joy and um, it's just amazing to see the world through their eyes and then know that they're being supported by their girl dad and myself is inspiring and motivating for me. Veronica, are you saying you have a purpose-driven life? I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> you are the walking epitome of that. And and like I said, I just am so – you always inspire me in different ways you may not even know, but you really, really do. And by the way, happy belated birthday from a couple of days ago. Oh, thank you. And again, yes, I'm still celebrating. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. I know so many people that celebrate for weeks or for months because they know, you know what, you have to have a reason to have a celebration. Everything is not always on the downside. You got to look at the positive thing. It's, 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 it's a, a, a better thing to be courageous than it is to be fearful. And I like the way you have that uh, comfortable courage 
uh, Veronica. I like the uh-huh. way you, you go out Thank and do you. your business. So what's looking, you, you say you're writing this book. Is the book ready to come out yet? Where are you on this? Yes. So it's, it, it's at my publisher um, and they are doing the final edits. We re- reviewed the book covers. Um, I think it'll be ready by April or May. Look so out. I'll be, I'll be pushing that out. I'll, I'll be promoting it and hopefully you'll see that on social media and you can support your girl and share that. Um, but it's my life story and it, how you can create your own movement as well. So mm-hmm. it's my journey to where I got and the inspiration to help women create their own movements and become their own chicas in their own communities. They and created it, a movement like we did in Dallas. Yes, ma'am. And if they, if anyone wanted to be involved in the My Chica movement, how would they get in touch? Well, um, we're on Instagram, on Facebook. It's, it's Hey Chica Movement on Instagram. It's Hey Chica Movement on Facebook. And it's HeyChica.org is the website. Absolutely amazing. Again, Veronica... Torres Hazley, I cannot thank you enough for joining us, especially not only because it's Women's History Month, and that's what made me think of you, but more importantly because your message is there and it's showing that anyone can come from whatever background. And if you have a dream, you just follow that path. Is there any last words about following that path and your dream and how anything is possible if you just try? There's no such thing as success or failure if you don't even try. Absolutely. I think it's important for women to stick together and not hate on each other and mm-hmm. support one another and operate, like I mentioned earlier, in a spirit of collaboration and and knowing that oh, we're all in this together, you know, from all backgrounds. But I think most importantly, I think a lot of women get discouraged. They can't find women that think like them and that move like them, um, but they're out there. But it happens when you start to be your full self. You start to attract the same type of people And together, when you find that tribe of women, like I told you, I'm celebrating all week because I have so many circles of friends that that have supported me. Yes. And and I have my tennis girls, you know, and I play tennis with them on Sunday. We're Mm -hmm. doing brunch. And I have, you know, my friends that help with Hey Chica. And then I have friends that I've just known through, you know, through the years. And I've never felt like so happy and so joyous, uh, you know, like I am now because I'm comfortable knowing that I don't compete with anyone. We're all sisters and we're all in it together. Well, you know, we got to have you back on the show because your words are so inspiring. Once the book is out, we will get back together again and share some of the stories inside of that. But thank you again so much for joining us, Veronica. Thank you, Chris, for the invitation. Um, I can't wait to to see you guys again and to see you out. Send Send my hellos to your wife and family. Most definitely. And you and yours as well. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you. And joining us right now is a legend. Yes, he is a legend. I'm talking about Coach Michael Inslee. Let me, first, Coach, let me give you your props. And I'm glad you're here with us. I, I know you get kind of uncomfortable when people talk about all the things you've done, but you deserve your props. First of all, the first black coach to go undefeated and win a state championship in Class 4A in the state of Texas. The first black male coach to win a girls' state championship. Three-time state champion. Nine-time state tournament. 1998 NCAA Women's Final Four, NSCAA National Champion, voted one of Texas UIL's top 100 coaches and teams for the first 100 years by the Dallas Morning News, and voted DFW Team of the Millennium, selected to be a coach for Team USA Basketball Youth Festival back in 2005, and the newest inductee in the class of 2023, 
of the Texas Black Sports Hall of Fame, Coach Michael Inslee. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, and thank you very much. Wow. That's interesting. See, I, I bet you ain't never reflected on it like that. But I had to give you your props because sometimes, sometimes people are hidden figures. They're they're legendary in front of your very eyes, but then you don't realize. Wait a minute, he's been in this game a long time, and you have been. And congratulations on a, a, such an outstanding career. That's funny you put it like that, Chris. And uh, I want to say hello to everyone out there. It's uh, I didn't really look at it as a sum of just my, because I didn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get to be over 60 years of age and people are still saying, some people are still saying good things about you. Um, and then to acknowledge those things, I got to tell you last, the induction was, was very interesting for me. And I just felt at that time that um, all those people, all those students that allowed me to be a part of their life, wow. And I'm up here. Um, it wasn't just me. Yeah, it it takes a village. It takes a group. It takes, like you said, it takes teamwork, but it also takes leadership and I think that's a big part of what you did. And we're talking about in the world of sports, but more importantly, in girls' athletics, women's athletics, a lot of men can't handle that world. And yet you did it flawlessly, not without some adversity, but you made it to championships. And you allowed some of these girls and women to become state champions. Can you talk about that journey and what it meant to, to lead a lead women like the limp the, the women's team the, from lincoln legendary group of women to a state title and i think a lot of people this month are recognizes the work of girls and women and you were there firsthand with them hand in hand again that uh that idea if you can see back in the time in which i came into the industry and especially in the state of texas it being a high school football complex. Dominated, yes. It's all football in Texas. Girls, yes, yes. And girls basketball, you know, you're not even first in the gym. It's boys basketball. And in some areas, it's volleyball sometimes. Mm-hmm. Takes that. Now, if I'm going to ever seem like I'm bragging, those young ladies, along with those teachers at Lincoln High School, and I'm talking about mostly the women teachers, I think they really respected my working with them to make sure that we together created an environment for those girls in that neighborhood and surrounding areas to have an experience that only they, to this day, walk around with their chest out, proud. And, Chris, they made education cool. Yes. You know, they they wanted it to be like, yeah, we're not only athletes, but we're students first. When I speak of a young lady like Kamisha Turner, who... At one time at Lincoln, she moved maybe four times 
was the valedictorian of the class, went on to be academic All-American at the University of Texas, El Paso, left there and went to law school in Notre Dame, and is now is back in Dallas doing tremendous work for a downtown law firm. I just, I, it's very seldom that you see a young lady as attractive as she was and is, make it out of that environment with such a beautiful disposition. Yes. So if if when you talk about young ladies, those young ladies that come out of that neighborhood, see a lot of folks look to Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey, and if they would ever stop and pause and think about those that are really off the beaten path, that come from neighborhoods like the Southern sector, uh, as we call it, sunny South Dallas. Where the sun always shines. Exactly. In spite of. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, some days they get to school and they coach. They're late. Why are you late? Because my mama's friend wouldn't let me sleep. So now, when you and I were talking before, uh, something that prompted this interview, when athletics... And education sometimes don't seem to go together. It's a real, it should be a real movement now to rethink this thing. Right. Because if it were not for athletics for that young lady, where would she be now? Exactly. Exactly. Because sometimes that's the way out. And it is to this day. Sometimes people think of the way out. Oh, that was a long time ago. Grandpa and grandma back then. No, it's 2023. And that's still the case. But before we turn into that page, because there's a lot of things I want to get into with that. I, I want to give you more props and talk about what it was like to coach young girls and girls. Because sometimes, I mean, they, a lot of guys think, OK, only women can coach other women. But yet you led female athletes to state championships. You led them to victories. You gave them some balance. You were a father figure. You were a girl dad before Kobe made it cool to be a girl dad, and you weren't actually their father. I, I think there's something to be said for that. But I wanted you to, you to explain because there's a lot of people who actually either coach kids on the side or they coach, coach kids for a living, and they don't necessarily know how to handle coaching young girls or women, and you did it amazingly. Can you talk about your skill set on what you did to help them, not only on the courts, in the basketball courts, but like you said, education-wise, making sure they went to class and and, 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 and took care of their books? Ooh, yeah. um, Chris, a lot of people don't know this. I've alluded to it sometimes, but my wife and I lost a little girl at birth, and so a very rare pregnancy there. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Where, you know, it's never heard of where both the mother and the child make it. One of them is not going to make it. Mm -hmm. And those, every girl that I coached became that daughter that I lost. Mm -hmm. So it was like, uh, and they'll, <laughs> they'll tell you, I had to know who they call themselves going to be associating with. Yep. Who they friends now, are. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, sometimes I even had confrontations with 
their parents uh, about that. But that's where it all started in terms of, you know, my dedication to the young ladies. And you're right. I have been interviewed by administrators and they have a blanket conception that only women can coach women. Right. Now, mind you, I was on the staff of Louisiana Tech University, the Lady Texas ranked top five in the program back in um, 96 to 98. And uh, yeah, the first year we went to the regional uh, finals at Purdue, and the next year we went to the Final Four and lost to the University of Tennessee in the championship game. Okay. Mm-hmm. And after that, I went to the uh, coaching clinic. Uh, the first year, I went to the uh, uh, hello, Chris. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I went to the final four. We did. We lost when we lost in the regionals. I went to the final four, and I'm sitting in the lobby, and I'm looking around the lobby, and I'm looking around in the lobby, and I'm looking around in. Now, Coach, you were seeing you at the lobby of the hotel at the Women's Final Four, and what happened? Well, I, I was walking around, walking around, and I was looking, and I was just taking it all in. And when I got back to Louisiana Tech, I was talking to legendary Hall of Famer coach uh, Leon Barmore. Mm-hmm. He asked me what I thought about it. And I said, Coach, to be honest with you, I don't know if this is for me. I... I didn't see any, uh, very few male coaches there. And if they were there, they were not head coaches. And then I didn't see any other black male coaches in the industry there. I said, Coach, if it's tough for a white guy to get in, how tough you think it's going to be for me? What'd he say? And it's funny. He, it's funny the look that, right, that came over his face. He had no response. He never thought about it. Yeah, and, and and I didn't press it. No. But I just wanted him to know that I was aware. Now, this, know, yeah, th- this sometimes is, you know you're not going to get the answer <laughs> that mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you were the. Uh, so you just you just kind of let them know that you know. Right. You, you just are, make sure they're aware. Observer. That's so ironic you bring now, that story up because, Coach, literally the women's Final Four is going to be here in Dallas at the American Airlines Center at the end of the month. And I'm sure when the Final Four happens, because you were in women's NCAA basketball, you have some memories on that, just like you mentioned. Just not only, you know, I have the chair that I sat in mm-hmm. um, at the Final Four. They were allowing us to purchase those. Uh, I had Coach Barmore to sign it. But there's another young lady that played at Lincoln High School that was in that game with me. And her name was Tamisha Jackson. Mm -hmm. Texas Gatorade Player of the Year, senior year high school. 4.0 GPA. Nice. Pre-med major at Louisiana Tech. Academic All-American, Louisiana Tech, two years. 
So I just would like to think that God has always had, like, I, I always say a uniform on my team. He's always right there. With, and after that conversation and after seeing Tamisha take off, I was approached by UNLV. And they wanted me to come out there. Man, for some reason, I left Louisiana Tech to go to UNLV. And I left after the final four, I think in May of 98. And I moved to Las Vegas. I got a call from Lincoln High School in September. Latter part of September, saying that Coach Hart Castle was leaving and they wanted to know if I'd be interested to come back. And I said to my wife, what do you think? Hmm. Now, mind you, I just bought a brand new house. My wife, uh, UNLV hired my wife in the education department. Mm-hmm. And we're doing good. Right. Las Vegas, and man, running Rebs. Yeah. Yeah. And and my grandfather passed. So I came home for the funeral and I went back to Las Vegas. And I'm still contemplating this offer. They don't seem to want anyone but me. And I took my wife to lunch to try to make a decision. After I dropped off, I made a turn and a car hit me. And boom. I made a decision right there. It was like the Lord said, get Joe behind out of Las Vegas. <laughs> Get back to Texas. And go back to Texas because I got something I need you to do. Mm-hmm. I got uh, Lincoln October 17th. One day before the official day of practice to start. We went 30-0. and 0, Beat the legendary Joe Lombardi who has more girls state championship in the state of Texas, didn't they? First in history, those young ladies on that team had not only the championship, but they were academically sound. Yes. Now, off of that team, I have a young lady that's one of the state-recognized top girl high school girls basketball coaches down at Houston Humble High School. Another one that's the head coach at Cedar Valley for, for women's basketball. System two, three assistant coaches over at Lincoln High School and others all through the district and the Metroplex. So when you talk about good uh, women in sports and how athletics provided an opportunity, opportunity for them to go out into the world and be productive citizens, which is what Education supposed to do. Yeah. Which is why athletics is a vital entity of education. And the idea of those at the table to somehow neglect that, it almost seemed like it's, as they say a lot today, a conspiracy. Because we are so good at what we do. And now that the young ladies have gotten an opportunity to have a platform far from where it used to be to now, 
I think the mindset needs to be given a reboot, if you will. I hear you. How do we how do we expand on this? You know, in terms of um our young ladies like I see on ESPN doing the play by play. Mm-hmm. You know, highlighting speaking for Venus and Serena Williams. What a story. You telling me that athletics has provided this type of lifestyle that they're living now and the motivation that goes with it. But now let's not get caught up on just the athlete itself. Those people that are responsible for mentoring those young ladies, teaching those young ladies, mm-hmm. uh, uh, modeling uh, the way they're supposed to live. And when we do not protect those also, uh, make sure that they have a place at the table, we really cut the legs out from under our opportunities for our kids in education in our communities. I know exactly where you're going with this, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, and we can continue to talk about it because when you and I were talking, we were talking about how it's a shame that a lot of the athletic programs in the um, in the towns and communities outside of the the big cities like Dallas and Fort Worth, they're thriving. the the Plano's, the the DeSotos, the Lancasters, the the uh, Frisco's, the the different communities in Mansfield, uh, um, just all over uh, Crowley. I could go on and on and on. They're they're taking care of the athletes and the athletic departments. But in the bigger cities, the ISDs in Dallas, the ISDs in Fort Worth, they're having a more of a struggle because they're they're not. Now, don't get me wrong. We're proud of South Oak Cliff winning those back to back state football championships and, you know, um, the different teams that have won some titles. But we're losing out in 2023 when some of the top name coaches and trainers mm-hmm. and teachers are headed for hall- uh, bigger salaries in, you know, in the different suburbs like Duncanville or, or even uh, South Lake. They're headed out there and the, the skid, the city's got to compete. They've got to figure out a way that these ISDs have got to be able to keep compete to keep not only talented mentors and coaches, but they have to compete because those talented mentors and coaches actually do more than just coach that. Like you said, they're father figures. They keep some of these kids out of the streets. They, they make sure they get their books. They make sure that they have a, an opportunity more so than just, you know, picking up a basketball or a football or running track. Is that what we were talking about, right? You know, oh, you made my blood pressure go up because I'm, I'm very passionate about this particular part. Mm-hmm. And what I'm about to say now might make your eyebrow go a little bit, but just hold on because it's not anyone's fault but our own. We, we, we have allowed ourselves to be bamboozled. We won't stand up and fight for that that we know we're good at, that we can provide an opportunity and do well at. We'll sit back and won't say nothing and let laws pass, let myths pass 
Now, instead of staring to fight, that's the one thing. Mm-hmm. And true to what you're saying, Fort Worth ISD superintendent just suspended. Uh, uh, I asked those in the athletic department that work there to resign and reapply for their job. Is that economic? Because, because they are losing students. Oh, my. Because they are losing students to some of those areas in which you were just talking about. Now, why do you think that is happening? Now, before I go any further, those that are listening or that will be listening, understand that Mike Hensley is not perfect and doesn't know everything. Now, I'm not saying that you got to believe what I'm saying and that I'm totally right. But if you're telling me that you know your child or the kid next door or your community has young people that love soccer, they love ballet. They love dancing. They love tennis. And I said those, not the major sports, for a reason. Because a lot of times they use a term that's called uh, uh, a school, rather, that's called Juilliard. Mm-hmm. Where it's supposed to be prestigious to go and learn how to dance. How to play music, but in our neighborhood, it's looked upon as something that's not educationally sound or even career based. So when you first give it that connotation and you start to look at it that way, you can lose sight of the goal. And when you reel that back into those other major sports, and a lot of times people don't, it's, they just, oh, they're nauseated about the term, talking about race. But why is it only happening in the inner city? Why is it in the inner city, you know, where we talk about athletic program? They got 22 high schools in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. And they got football at all 22. And know every one of them not good or want to play football. Why don't you, why don't you take football and put it into those 10, 15, 20, whatever schools that do and allow those that live in those areas where they don't have football to go to those other schools and then de- develop quality programs. It is a quality program. Mm-hmm. And then allow not great edifices but sound facilities that have everything you need. Now that you want. Mm-hmm. If you only need, you know, weights for 100 students, don't get weights for 500. That's just crazy. I know where you're going but, with this, Coach. I just think I, it just hit me. Where, where you're going with this is maybe some of these ISDs in the in the larger cities like Dallas and Fort Worth should create a sports magnet, just like they have a magnet to, for the, the mathematical magnet uh, in, in like Townview. And uh, Booker T. Washington has the arts magnet. Maybe you have a sports magnet. It could magnet. be the STEM athletic magnet high school. I don't care what you call Yeah. But it needs to be at the table. And if you're going to rethink, you're going to be, see, I not get complacent because education is evolving. Communities are evolving and the world is evolving. Right. Why would you stay in the same place? You have to, be, you have to add those other components. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? Nowadays, people think outside the box, especially because of social media and the fact that we have technology. There's a technology magnet. I think that what your idea is is something that people should at least discuss. Maybe it's some of these uh, school board meetings. But there's a way to salvage education through the athletics because, like you said, there are so many kids who are athletically inclined and they do well and they are competitive, but they also are educationally sound. They just need the opportunity and just need the focus. And I think, you know, your idea of having a magnet is a, is a quality idea that should be discussed. You have the greatest tennis team, high school tennis team in the country where developing tennis. If you, if you put a, a thought process into how you're going to develop that. I'm not just saying it's not just about football. Right. But then you have to be a, you know, and back then, back in the day, you didn't have what you talked about just now, the media, the social media, mm-hmm. which is kind of level the playing field. But it's up to you, you to utilize, not sit around your hand and say, we can't think of nothing else to do but what we've been doing. Come on. That's right. Evolve Mm-mm. it. Evolve it. Evolve and then use that technology. Get your kids involved. Okay, I want to go to radio and television magnet so I can learn how to to broadcast sports or shoot action shots. And then maybe take that into your own startup for yourself. That's athletics and education working together. Working together. It blows my mind sometimes. When we have all of this in our metroplexes, Dallas and Fort Worth. And we talk about Dallas being the top. Man, Dallas is one of the best cities in the world to live in. Yes. It provides great opportunities if you want one. Again, I don't make excuses. And I'm not blaming nobody else uh, for my success or lack thereof. But I do know this. If you want to create something that's going to be not only productive for yourself, but that's going to be good for a community, a group, or just your brother and your sister, you you have to set a standard. And I hope and pray that it's based off of something that's Healthy, that's truthful, and not a lie. That's the last thing that scares me to death, Chris. Our kids today need something that they look at, something that they listen to, that tells them the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's real. Mm -hmm. We are getting bamboozled all over in various type of ways. Our kids need the truth. Yeah, not just There's information no bubbles, not just opinions. They need the facts. They need the truth. And First coach, there are no shortcuts. Right, you got to work for it. They, they got to know that there are no shortcuts. My parents were educators. My in-laws were educators. And for young black men, you have to have some type of knowledge base. Let me tell you something. They're drafting you out of high school. You can't even, even spell the word contract. They're drafting you out of high school. They want you to start to go living in hotels now. Not with your mom and dad. Somebody wake you up. You're in hotels. You have to eat in a restaurant. You're giving yourself calls like a per diem. You don't even know what that is. 
advantages that for you? Who tells you late at night when you get back to the hotel what they expect? Mm-hmm. Oh, they give you a seminar too. But now you don't think education is important. And later on in your in your life, when it's time for you to, in the air to go out of that ball, you can't punt, kick it, catch it, throw it, nothing. What you gonna do? You know what? It goes back to your idea about having a sports magnet. That could be one of the course requirements is economics, is is knowing contract negotiations, is is about financial literacy. I think that would be part of the curriculum. Coach, I think you're a building block on this. And before we get out of here, I know you're at you're right now you're in Grambling, Grambling University, home of the legendary coach Eddie Robinson, the late great Eddie Robinson, and he was always full of wisdom. I'm going to tell you this right now. You have words of wisdom, and I cannot thank you enough for joining us today and sharing that wisdom, especially in National Women's History Month. Thanks, Coach Isley. Thank you, and God bless one love. And thank you for joining us on Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. So long, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.